do a set piece menu book a bedtime book a bedtime absolutely we need someone to do who, your, yours is the best voice could you could do be the voiceover influential as Richard and Judy do you think yes, very possibly so. very possibly that's how, that's how they started yeah. as well Richard and Judy did not start with a football specific podcast here. Uh, they did they didn't they did talk to Richard Maidley he'll tell you have we done a pod on specifically on football literature no but we could another great idea can you write the script for it I'll write the book for Come, it just <laughs> pop 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 remember that with Hardridge pop 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 Sorry. Are we rolling, Steve? We've well, been, been oh. rolling for a while, Hugh. You can use all rolling of that if you want. the edge of a cliff. If you want, Chinch going pop, 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 pop. <laughs> You've got it. Uh, well, in that case, this is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. I have provided the food for this week's pod. Following a previous holiday, you may well remember, I delved deep into the country's culture to discover their significant culinary traditions. I researched them. I brought them home with me. And rather than keep them to myself, I decided to share them with my good friends to almost universal ridicule. Yes, because it was badger arse coffee. <laughs> so this time, I didn't try as hard. You get jam. Good. One of the, one of the things about the... Can uh, I ask a question? Yeah. Which native species of the place where you went on holiday has, has defecated this jam? The fruit species, and they're not native because I don't care anymore. Uh, these are from Duty Free. They look like from a hotel, from a hotel buffet. Uh, no, they you cost... They from cost, Duty Free? They cost money. They cost money. So I have three because I got myself a large, a large jar of papaya jam. Uh, because I tried that at the breakfast buffet and it was very nice. Actually, star fruit was the nicest jam. Mm. Ever had star fruit jam? Not Recommend it to everybody. Really nice. I've eaten a star fruit. However, there weren't any star fruit jam miniatures <laughs> um, at Duty Free. So, I've got uh, mango passion. Hang on, were they free samples or did you actually no. buy them? They, they do. Look, they're so they small. look like free samples. They, look, they are free they samples. Are they free samples? No, they're not. They are, they aren't they? They cost me 50 Seychellois rupees each, which is... Daylight well, I thought I thought we weren't revealing where you went on holiday because it was so bourgeois and annoying. Where we try, you 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 did your best. We're a couple of weeks removed to I'm cover okay about to now. cover that for him to cover his middle class holiday. So I've got I've got reputation. Well, just, Mag- oh, by the way, it's not, I don't, set piece I don't, menu big in Seychelles. Let me tell you that. Much. Incorrect. I don't think it's a middle class holiday destination. It's it's a it's a luxury holiday destination. Let's be honest. It's the sort of place where footballers go change. Is it? Yeah. I, I've never been there. No, that's because you retired from football before the money kicked in. I want to go to the Maldives. Do you? Is that you is, it similar to the, is it similar to the Seychelles? Same idea, isn't it? Same, Same kind idea. of concept. Do we know anyone who's been to the Maldives? Uh, Seychelles is the biggest, the biggest oceanic granite-based island. Would you um, say anybody so. who's been to the Maldives more than once is perhaps a little ostentatious? Yes. Nikki's been eight times. Has she? Apparently it's very good for diving underwater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so back to the jam. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I've yeah. got uh, how jam. many how many honeymoon style holidays do you think is acceptable in the first two or three years of marriage? Depends how strong your well, marriage is. One, the honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. um, so I have mango passion, which does not describe my recent honeymoon <laughs> holiday. <laughs> Banana and papaya vanilla or papaya vanilla. Um, so um, who would like uh, any of these? Because it's one each. Do these Seychellians do anything of a Marmite Seychellians. The Seychellois. The Seychellois. Do they, they do a sort of Marmite style no like a, product? Like a veggie spread? Yeah. yeah. No. Which one's Robbie Savage? Marmite. <laughs> which which one is it? So I like papaya vanilla per- personally. Papaya vanilla I'd like that juice. if I could have that. I'm willing to barter or exchange. <laughs> let's see, let's so see what we all end up with. Okay. I've got banana and mango passion. Well, I think Steve and I can probably both agree that banana sounds grim. Yep. Banana jam. So you have the mango How passion. Can banana jam no, well, be grim? This banana jam. Bananas are wonderful in everything. Right, okay, Chinch, you have the banana. Oh, I'm taking, taking away off papaya the, vanilla. Like, papaya vanilla and mango passion. 
Do we both want the papaya vanilla? You go papaya vanilla because oh, you're going to care more about too. jam than. In fact, I'm just simply going to pass this on to Katie. Oh, thank see God, that's over. To, uh, uh, joining me, Hugh Ferris. Ah, <laughs> no, this says not to, not to be so, part of a yeah. multi-pack, not to be sold yeah. individually. <laughs> sold individually. What's <laughs> all about? You go and tell duty free. Uh, joining me, Hugh Ferris. Ah, Andy Hinchcliffe of Sky Sports, Stephen Wyeth of BT Sport, and Match of the Day, and Rory Smith of the New York Times, Radio Five Lives Monday Night Club, Radio Five Lives Monday Night Club. When it's on a Tuesday, the Totally Football Show Live, the Game Podcast, again, the Anfield Rap, sometimes an internationally renowned author of the non-adult fiction work, Mister. You can get in touch with the podcast. Uh, I do, I do have a large media Rory. footprint. <laughs> so many different ways. Uh, via at setpiecemenu, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, search for setpiecemenu. So much to try and get through in terms of responses to recent podcasts. So here we go. Uh, Simon Way is Steve's mate from the school run. He's also a very eloquent writer of emails. He says this... Cut out, we'll cut out the bit about him being an eloquent writer. Of right, email. okay. Well, the, the, He says this, and you'll come to realise why I appreciate his eloquence. Uh, dear the presenting one, the writing one, the punditing one, and the eating one. I enjoyed your recent doubleheader on Football Fans. It was, as always, full of insight, charm, wit, and the sound of Steve talking with his mouth full. Your thoughts on proper fans looking down at visiting fans who may well have invested thousands of pounds and travelled many miles to make a rare visit to a Premier League ground has prompted me to share an opinion that I have long held on the popularity of a sport or team having a direct but inverse effect on how welcoming those fans are to outsiders. I refer you to my previous comment about eloquence. That was a multi-clause sentence of high quality. In between mouthfuls, Steve mentioned his visits to NHL games in North America. I, too, am a big ice hockey fan. That must be how they're connected. And have been lucky enough to attend NHL games in LA, San Jose, Anaheim, Toronto, Buffalo, Chicago, and New York, both Rangers and Islanders. The first three of those, definitely traditional ice hockey territory. Uh, I have never been given anything <laughs> Members of other the original six, than <laughs> sure. a really warm welcome by locals at any of these venues. It seems that an NHL fan needs only to hear an English accent to feel compelled to introduce himself, ask about hockey in the UK, what on earth an Englishman is doing watching his terrible team, and insist on buying the visitor a beer. I think that what may lie behind this is that the NHL is most definitely number four in North America's big four sports leagues, and with the growth of MLS, may in the not-too-distant future have the distinction of being the fifth most popular of the big four sports. Similarly, while I'm a Man City fan and have been a season ticket holder for 20-odd years, I decided to take my son, Evan, to a far quieter match for his first game, with a mum who lives in Macclesfield. Macclesfield Town were the obvious choice. The Macclesfield fans were incredibly welcoming towards us in general, and Evan in particular. City, on the other hand, see a lot of visiting fans, and I would imagine that the trade in half-and-half scarves is pretty good. Sadly, this leads to a tendency to impugn the legitimacy of that person's support. This even applies in some cases to newer fans. I've often heard it suggested on trams and buses that unless you were on the terraces at York or Gillingham when City were in the third division, then you can't claim to be a proper fan and shouldn't be enjoying the current trophy-filled seasons. I was on those terraces 20 years ago, and you can take it from me that at that time, we'd have welcomed any new faces who were prepared to subject themselves to third division football. Also seems quite harsh on like the unborn. Yes, exactly. You, not everybody is 26 <laughs> Where were you at York? My parents weren't even together yet, mate, to be um, honest. Finally, he says, following the chicken, bacon and guacamole baguettes you'll remember from those podcasts, remember that the name avocado derives from the Mexican Indian word for testicle, which tells you all that you need to know about the flavour of that particular fruit. Thanks in regards, Simon Way. Interestingly, the Spanish word for lawyer is aborado, which I've always found really funny because I've assumed it it's like, like avocado. <laughs> but maybe it's related to the word for testicle. That's interesting. Mm. There you go. Lawyers, get in touch. That's so basically, Simon, Simon <laughs> Defend Wade your honour. Buried the lead there. That was the most important thing. Talking about City back in the day and how they've kind of risen from the ashes. Sky are putting together, or Greg Whelan's put together an excellent half an hour 
um, kind of documentary about those times. Gone back, interviewed all the players and fans as well. And apparently, he says it's brilliant. I mean, that, that seems like a waste. You could do an informed Netflix yeah. series on when City were awful. Don't trample all over it, Steve. Just embrace it. Greg just needs to think bigger. Like a chubby child. Just embrace it. The... What? <laughs> don't dwell on that. That's right. Sure. That's weird. Embrace. Don't dwell. We, we don't, we'll we'll come back to that off air. The, it, the uh, Simon is it Simon? Yeah. Simon. Simon is is very much right though that I think there is within with, within fans there is a tendency to lionise your own experiences as though that that is the way that being a supporter makes it legitimate. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of people on the terraces at Gillingham and York when City were playing there, who would have been thinking, do you know what, we used to be quite a good team in the, in the, in the first division, and we, the, who, who remembered them winning the title in 1968, thinking, how the hell has it come to this? This is an absolute disgrace. But those people aren't any, any less fans than the It's to do with the age you are and what you've got going on in your life and, and all that stuff, there's, and where you live. There's, there's so many different factors that go into it. But one thing I never understand is why fans amongst themselves, and it does seem to happen, use the fact that other people have come to it more lately, often because that was when they were born, to say that they are somehow lesser and haven't earned their spurs yet, which I just find the spurs that Chinch wears and to come into And it's the, um, the NHL experience one that you've had as well, Steve. Any visitor is a welcome visitor because they would like their game to grow as much as possible. Well, the last time I was at an NHL game, the people I was sat next to were also English, who literally just stepped off a plane and thought, this seems like a good thing to do. So it's clearly a popular... Tourism choice. Was it your friend from the store on Simon Way? <laughs> it, it wasn't, no. I, mean, I, I don't see so much of Simon these days. He, I don't know. He's not sure he, he turns up all that often on the school run. He's, maybe he's just running late. Are his, chil- are his children just wandering no, around? His, with son, his son's still there. I've just not <laughs> still seen him. Still there, not been picked up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind visitors at all, but if you turn up at the sliding gate of Chinfork, you will be seen off at the, at the sharp end of a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you own with all the correct paperwork and licenses. I never load it I never load it uh, John Nicholson of Football 365 and of course an SPM Buffalo got in touch with the pod to offer his own thoughts on an accompanying subject um, so have a listen to this I reckon something worth talking about in relation to football fans and their behaviour on social media etc is why so many so effort- effortlessly surrender their humanity by being horrible to other people why do they need to fight battles be defensive be nasty be angry be tribal I mean I've been a Borough fan since 1970 and I still don't care at all what anyone thinks of the Borough and would no more get angry about someone being critical of them than I would eat my own feet. I literally do not understand any of that. It seems mad to me and I consider myself quite bonkers. There is a surrender of empathy which my psychiatrist would say is a big marker of being mentally unhealthy. Genuinely, I think many are not well in varying degrees. How mental unwellness washes out into the broader social media life and beyond is really important in getting an understanding of where we are in life and football. When people are prosecuted for being very beastly to people online, they're almost always depressed, isolated, unwell, though often uh, as yet undiagnosed people, often self-medicating on drink and drugs. In other words, no one behaves the way the worst fans behave when they're in a good place. Why would you? Why be horrible to people when you're at ease with yourself and life? I think this is an invisible but major driver of behaviour at football, on social media and in life more broadly, but it is never addressed. He's written a book or he's writing a book and in the book he says it is my contention that the obscene amounts of money in football have acted as catalyst in this that the cognitive dissonance between a bloke playing kicky kicky getting 100 grand per week and you earning 25 grand per year in Sainsbury's is literally making us mentally ill 
It feels namelessly, existentially, just wrong, and it bothers and worries, and for some it justifies abusing a player in some way. If you notice, pretty much the first or second criticism of the player will have financial aspect to it. He earns all that money, he's not worth what we paid for him, and is why we hear demands for a poor performing team to hand back their wages. Part of a, a much longer missive uh, from John, uh, so thank you to you. Are, are people, tr- the pack mentality, does that come into how people behave in a crowd? Mm-hmm. They they behave how other people around them behave as well. So yeah. it seems so maybe on there. But again, social media. Again, are you with people when you're sending these things, or is it something that you do on your own? No, you something. I can understand the pattern. Something the crowd, you, you do on your own. Mm. But for the, I think John's probably right. And if you look at the really bad, the the, the cases that are prosecuted where the abuse is so bad that the that the police have become involved, there is certainly maybe not empirically but it certainly feels from memory as though a lot of those people would be isolated would be perhaps suffering from either diagnosed or undiagnosed depression and that the the venting on social media is is a is a way out i think there is a much more common much more almost low level kind of agitation at other people that's probably not it might be linked in some way to mental mental unwellness i guess but it feels more to me like it's a kind of defensiveness it's having your identity bound up in your team it's having a it's having a, a username that's like Smithy MCFC or whatever, and a, the club badge as, as your avatar rather than a picture of yourself. Um, I think all of that stuff is, it's you fighting your battles for your team. It's you going to war for your team. And I think the other thing about it is that a lot of it is performative, that that for some reason, and not just in football, but in like social media discussions about politics or whatever, or food or all these things that you, you couldn't, you wouldn't believe would, would attract such kind of angst and anger that the because there is a performative nature to it because you are doing it for retweets and likes that you are inclined to push it to the extreme to try and kind of trying to attract that attention but the other thing that i think is maybe underplayed is the kind of nihilistic irony that underpins a lot of social media where not no one believes anything and nothing is is right and nothing is earnest and nothing is sincere and everything is sort of scoffingly in it's much more kind of applied in terms of like 4chan and the political discussion where everything is kind of to be memed and to be is played for jokes but there's not really a joke and it's just a kind of bleak outlook on life and I think there's a lot of that in football a, a, as well a lot of and uh, this will uh, resonate um, a lot of people saying a lot about what they don't like but not necessarily saying what yeah. they do like having engaged with John on this and obviously being something that's clearly very much at the forefront of his mind and he was actually writing something along these lines at the time that the Jack Grealish incident happened in the the Birmingham Di- Birmingham derby which sort of brought it to a much wider national focus certainly is that it's not just about what's happening on social media, it's about what's happening in football stadiums, and it's about how it's too easy to tag somebody with the, well, that's football fan behaviour for you, or that's what tribalism does for you, and rather than thinking about the fan, we should be thinking about the person. Yes. And actually, yeah. are yeah. they acting out something? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's what's going on in other aspects of their life that sees them acting out in the environment of football, whether that's online or in the stadium, rather than the, that football is what's bringing that mm. out of them. Football or, or being a fan is, is, respo- is responsible for their behaviour. Actually, is it the other way around? Are they in a dark place yeah. in other aspects of their life? Mm. And mm. football is an environment in which that manifests itself on a, on a much more public and, you know, you know 
visible level. Well, that's that's when Jack Grease was assaulted. All the talk was about, well, Birmingham as a club have got to do more, more steward. No, let's look at the, why this in, individual acted in the yeah. way that he did. He, he might not be on his own at all. Is it football that's making him behave like that? Or other other reasons in his life that makes him behave like that? So we have to look at the individual and then work from there. He didn't do that because he's a Birmingham City no, fan. No, absolutely. He, yeah. did, he did that because there's something about his behaviour mm-hmm. that mm. saw him act out in that way. Yeah. In support of his football yeah. club because he felt that that was the the, the most protective An way outlet to do it. for it. Yeah, yeah and we, we spent a lot of time talking about how we should probably think um, as uh, of footballers as humans, and we discussed that a lot. Um, it's only right that we should probably apply that to to fans. Has there been a, really a follow up on that? Because obviously they say, "Oh, stick him in jail." That's where he's let him rot in jail. You think, well, hold on a minute. We need to find out what the story is here. And well, he's in jail. So. He's in jail. Yeah, but, he no needs, but, yeah, but he needs some help in terms of why this all happened, the reasons behind it. But it's kind of just, it happens, it's dismissed, let's just lock him away, he can never go to football again. And it's as if that's that's dealing with it. Because this is just, it's going to continue to happen, isn't it? If people's lives are how they are, and they are going to football, or any sporting event, any event, these kind of things can happen. So you've got to get to the root of it and say, well... Is it the football clubs that are making people behave in this way? And it, it probably isn't. It's just the lives that they live and the opportunity arises and, and they... But the question is, does, do. does for that guy, if he can't go to football again, does it find a new outlet? Yeah, exactly. Or taking yes. football away, does that mean it doesn't something happen more anymore dangerous. because football was the only outlet? Yeah, and it can be more dangerous elsewhere. Well, that, yeah, and that's the... That's the. You're right that it's not, it's not a football thing, but football has obviously become the way, not only the place people feel free to do or feel that, that is, it's their chance to do that sort of thing, to, to make this kind of, I don't know, mutinous stand against societal norms or whatever. But it's also bound up with how much people feel their football club is their identity. That's not something you do for something you go on and watch and hope they win, but you're not that, not that gutted if they lose. That's so you're acting you in the interests of your club because they are bound up with you. So it's, you're doing yeah. something for your club and it's not you don't see yourself doing that. You see it as, it's, as your responsibility. You, you are a soldier for wow. for mm. this. That, I mean, that, that, that is the only... I'm not a psychologist, so I, I wouldn't claim to be sort of an expert on it but it would strike me that to do that you are I mean whether drink and drugs or whatever are involved I don't know but you, that that is something you do because you believe that this is something because you are so kind of overtaken with the feeling that you have to go on the field and punch Jack Grealish that you almost can't resist because you are doing it for something and what that thing is it could be moment in the sun it could be does he's off his face yeah. it's, you don't know but it, it strikes me that it's it's just it suggests that there is too much of him, his personality bound up with who he is as a Birmingham City fan in this case. But also there will be Birmingham fans that will be patting him on the back saying, that was absolutely and fantastic, they, they you stood up for our club. Yeah. So that then fuels him thinking, it's I'm, a hero, type, yeah. I'm a hero, this is, I can, it's okay to do this, yeah, yeah. it's dangerous. And, and, yeah. And, and if there's some remorse, which it suggested that there was because of his statements following the occasion, mm. I wonder if there's remorse amongst those who chanted in his support as he was taken from the pitch mm. um, finally this from uh, Rebecca Richmond who gets in touch for the first time and say I wanted my first communication uh, to you to be esoteric and performative because since I discovered those the podcast, are two of Hugh's favourite words <laughs> I'm loving it and expanding my vocabulary as you can see she says but it's not that kind of an email it's just a question and not even one about football I need says Beck as she signs off I'm not being too familiar I need <laughs> to see a photo of Trumpy Pig <laughs> now this is when I was off so um, uh, you'll have to explain I never get tired of listening to the opener of episode 120 the, my, my question about you'll have to explain was to Beck obviously not to you three because I listened to it 
very, very, very carefully. Uh, to the opener of episode 120, where you talk about it. In fact, I travel a lot for work, and when I'm missing my husband, my home, my football, I listen to that, and it makes me giggle. Much to the discomfort of fellow passengers on various forms of transport. But there it is. So I need to have a visual image to go with the narrative. Please. I really do, says Rebecca Beck Richmond. When I get home this evening, I'll get Primrose and Trumpy Pig, and I will do a little, a little film of them, and I will send it to Steve, Sweet, and you can yeah. maybe stick that up. It's brilliant. I'll polish it. And it's Primrose's it. favourite thing. And mine. Coming up, Trumpy Pig. <laughs> uh, at seppiespenny.com. Um, so are I. Uh, so what's your excuse? You were actually in the conversation. Um, now, if you've been paying Bold. attention, <laughs> uh, you'll have noticed uh, over the course of the 120-odd episodes that Chinch only talks about two things. The first is that apparently he won the FA Cup in 1995, although finding quantifiable evidence that he contributed at any rate is very difficult. The second is that winning the FA Cup in 1995 was something of a miracle because he wasn't actually injured at the time. Yes. Who knows what might have happened if his ankle, back, knee, knee, both Achilles, knee again, and finger hadn't completely <laughs> broken down on him. 500 plus games might have been 550-ish. Roughly 25 goals would have skyrocketed to just short of 30. And seven England caps would have definitely become, let's say, seven. But Andy's <laughs> knees are not the only ones that click worryingly when they move. Countless players have suffered countless injuries. And while it's very much part of the game, there is a toll, both physical and mental. So on this week's set piece menu, we're going to talk about injuries, what it's like when they happen, how rehab works, and how demoralizing it must be to have so many. To put Andy's travails into perspective, though, the rest of us are going to reveal our worst injuries suffered during football matches. Rory, what is the worst injury you suffered as a result of playing football? <laughs> I think he got burnt when he was pouring the tea at half time. <laughs> the I've, I've, I, I don't have a vast amount of um, kind of cartilage or uh, tendon in either either of my knees or even my, either of my ankles. The one that I remember the most as most painful isn't actually an injury I sustained whilst playing football, but was football related. So I was training to do the Liverpool half marathon uh, three, two or three years ago. Two or three years ago, I'd been signed up by my father-in-law, who I love dearly, Ken. He's a great lad, but I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Kate had made me sign up. I'd already done one half marathon. That was enough for me. I didn't want to run by the seaside in Liverpool. It struck me as being a very windy way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and in the course of training, gradually my Achilles, my right, my right Achilles went, got more and more kind of strained. And I'm not a great believer in listening to my body. <laughs> and so it was, it was going and going and going and going. And the week before the Liverpool half marathon, there was a media game at Man City that I was desperate to play in. Uh, and Kate sort of said, mm, Kate has no sympathy for me and football injuries because I come back from five aside every time I play, which is very rare these days, and say, oh, I've hurt my knee or I've hurt my ankle. And she, she just sort of looks at me as if to say, well, great, you do that the whole time, it's your stupid fault. Mm. Uh, she's not a very sympathetic woman in that <laughs> no. sense. Yeah. Lovely in many other ways. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't listen, it's fine. Uh, and anyway, so I played in the game, and within two minutes, my Achilles just went, and I couldn't put any weight on my right foot. I couldn't. I'm, in, I'm completely right-footed as those of you who see me play football know <laughs> I couldn't really kick the ball I I, I was playing centre mid and I couldn't move at all but I didn't see the need to be substituted I felt that even on one leg I might do a better job than several of the <laughs> options on the bench so I battled on for as long as I could and by the end of the day essentially could not walk and had torn my own Achilles for myself 
Uh, and I went into uh, the CFA at City's um, incredible training round and said, um, said to one of the lads from the City team, is there a medic knocking about who might just have a look at this? <laughs> Definitely torn Achilles for me. Uh, and they went, yeah, 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 well done, really kindly. And then they came back and said, actually, no, not allowed to look at you, not insured. And I said, right, that's a bit of a shame to have all these medical staff around here and, and me, not, you, me, me being in considerable pain, not quite sure I can drive home. Are you sure if I promise not to sue you that if they you won't? If you had a heart attack, would they just leave you? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, I'd, that's a good question. I don't know. And and then I eventually said, well, look, can, you, can I at least have some ice just so I can get this, get it numb, so I can get, get home and then think about what to do and burden our overworked NHS? And they said no, <laughs> because I wasn't insured. It took me about fifteen minutes to persuade them to give me some ice to put on it. <laughs> You're not insured to have ice. And I, I was, uh, I was and expecting- at that point. I realised that my Liverpool half marathon dream was over. <laughs> I was uh, expecting that story to be about a sentence and a half, but we got a better one. Uh, Steve, your worst injury playing football? I, I did both uh, ligaments in both ankles before the absolute clincher at the end of my career, where Chris Ritchie's, we know Chris, I know Chris who, uh, yeah. is a, a newspaper journalist based locally. He's uh, a big Spurs fan, always wears full Spurs kit to play five nice. football in. He's also incredibly, not just incredibly left-footed, but incredibly outside of his left-footed. And uh, to my great shame, he managed to turn away from me in a challenge. And I was so disgusted with myself, I, I overstretched in an attempt to win the ball back and hyperextended the ACL in my left knee. Just hyperextended, though? Yeah, just hyperextended. Not a complete no, I didn't, Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't paying at full tempo, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't have been able to skin me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 oh, go on, Hugh. Come um, on. My worst, my, my worst fibbling injury is I was 17. It was the beginning of the season. Hard pitch. Stubbed my toe. Trying to kick the ball. Missed the ball. Broke it. So, chip <laughs> pitch. <laughs> your toe. <laughs> broke my toe. Uh, okay. Achilles tendons, apparently. Hopefully, if there's any doctors or nurses that listen into the, uh, to the pod. And if don't you're work in a coma, Manchester City. Yeah, exactly. If you're in a coma, they, they pinch your Achilles tendons right? because it's if, if you pinch it, whether it's injured or not, you can't pretend that it's not painful because it, it clearly is. I don't know whether that's true or whether it's an urban myth. I, d- I don't want to make this podcast about my injury hell, <laughs> but I genuinely could not walk for six weeks. I couldn't get out of bed easily. I had to kind of... I didn't stay in bed. I've got some great pictures of my Achilles. When they opened my Achilles up, I wanted to see what, because it was so painful that they opened it up and, and yeah. they uh, splayed the sheath. And... Um, <laughs> They, they took some pictures and because I'm really interested. Look at the inside of your body; it's amazing. But it's it's amazing. the most incredible pain I've ever experienced. So hang on, it is, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I used to ice mine when I signed for Sheffield Wednesday. I had an Achilles problem. I used to ice mine in the car driving to Hillsborough so I could play because I had to numb it, as you yeah. said, because the pain was so bad that you couldn't even get right? up. Just, yeah. Yeah, we think we're jumping, jumping ahead of the story here. Sorry, we, we're going to get a picture of both Trumpy Pig yeah. and also the inside of your Achilles. Oh no, no, because it was all yellow and Ugh. all horrible, scarred and well, I'm, awful. I'm, I'm stuff. glad that awful. one of those two is happening and not the other. Um, so, Chinch, let's take you back to when you were an incredibly talented teenage footballer. Prodigious is the word he uses. Pro- uh, precocious, I think. Pre- both prodigious means... and precocious. <laughs> mean, no, I meant precocious. You mean precocious? I was, prodigious, was I? Come on. It's a good, good, good memory from last week's pod. Um, <laughs> so, have you got? Have you have you wandered off again? Mentally? No, it's just he, ta- he oh. talks himself precocious constantly yeah. I didn't mean precocious I don't call myself constantly, constantly, constantly precocious. refer to yourself as precocious you if put yourself you... in my phone as Andy <laughs> precocious <laughs> instantly Listen, if I am I am I'm not going to apologise for it carry on you so what was your what was your first injury of, of significance um, and spondylolysis L5S1 lower back nasty had to wear a girdle put on a bit of weight <laughs> And I did. And that I did. I played a lot when I was a kid. I was thinking, I'm gauntlet. not saying it again, but I was I was the P word, precocious. <laughs> I played a lot of cricket, lacrosse, and did a lot of bending 
for a young chat and doing it being a fast bowler a la Bob Willis do a lot of crashing down I had a problem on one of the because um, your vertebrae have little wings and I had a crack in L5S1 which is okay. again doctors and nurses out there will know exactly what I'm talking about spondylolosis which is this little fracture and all you can do it, you have to try and immobilise the area to let it settle down for nearly I think it was nine months oh. I had to wear like a flesh coloured girdle like spanks <laughs> kind of but it was more I didn't you didn't pull them up over your legs you just wrapped like it around yes like a big cummerbund with, with hooks that you could get it really because t- basically it was, but the trouble is I went down to the local uh, sandwich shop and everyone went off training I went and had three egg and bacon sandwiches which really <laughs> so I did put on a bit what, of timber you I had muffin I had muffin tops over my uh, my girdle when I was about 16 so that was the first time that I knew I was mortal because at that point I thought I was Thor um, but once you have a back problem, you realise I'm just a human. Just, uh, just invoking once again another precocious teenager, Thor. Yes. yes. Um, but what, what you had to learn during that nine-month process, did any of that help you when you had a slightly more normal injury that, that came about as a result of you playing football, yeah. in, either in training or in a match, rather than something that was probably related to your precocious nature of being a teenager and, and developing very quickly or being forced to develop very quickly. That's the only benefit of being consistently injured throughout my career is that I learned to cope with being injured. You have to, because if it's a profession, you, you realise when you pick up an injury that young, that actually can all be taken away from you very quickly. And that's what I learned from that. Even at 16, 17, you realise how this can go wrong and there's nothing you can do about it so you have to take care but then injuries because of the demands because you're playing so young I did have a lot of knee injuries a lot of players do have a lot of knee injuries because you're doing a lot of work at such a young age your body's still developing you're training and playing with grown men in that environment it's very stressful so again you pick up injuries but I, I was a good person to be injured because in a kind of way I enjoyed it because I had no choice I was going to be out for two months three months six months I knew I wasn't going to play I set my mind to it and got on with the job of getting myself fit and it was a good job that I was able to do that because it kept happening throughout my career I must have had 14 operations so you, you have to learn and the older you get it, it's you just you just relate back to what you did the previous time and sadly you have to do that because it's a professional job you have to get on with it get in the gym get yourself fit again and, and start again and hope it lasts tell us about what it felt like when the moment happened that you were injured because clearly you had it it, it was always subsequent to a previous injury mm. so you you kind of had an, an enough expertise that you'd built up that you knew something had happened mm-hmm. and bearing in mind it was always your second third fourth fifth sixth what what was it like to receive that injury and and how much did it feel like the world crashed down and how much did you think to yourself oh no, I've got to do this all over again. Well, I was fairly fortunate because the injuries I had probably leading up to the, the cruciate injury I had, which can be a career-ending injury. It doesn't tend to be these days because the surgery and rehab are so good. But I had cartilage problems, which they can kind of go in, tidy up, clean up, and you can be back within six, eight weeks. So you feel you've had an injury, but it's not kind of months and months of, of rehab. But when you have a cruciate injury, which is what happened to me playing against Leeds, but again, I didn't realise that I'd done it. So the, the shocking, I think I've told the story of, of waking up after the surgery, thinking I'd maybe damaged my cartilage, mm. and then waking up after the operation, the surgeon saying, you completely ruptured your ACL, here, here it is in a jar. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he did. Have you still and got it? it? Kind of, I did keep it for a while. Um, did, did it, and did then it go I, to your first wife in the divorce? I think she did get it, yeah, or she put it in some pasta, can't remember. But anyway... Um, is that the chinch pasta surprise? But that's, that's the moment, yeah. That's the moment I realised this is a serious injury. The other, Even though cartilage, it is serious, it's something that can be dealt with pretty straightforwardly. A crucial, you hear the horror stories about career-ending 
uh, crucial injury. So that was the one when I woke up. And also because it was a surprise. I'd gone in thinking it was maybe just cartilage because that's what I'd experienced before. It didn't feel any different to that, but clearly it was. And then you know you've got maybe six weeks for you need to settle down. Then there's the reconstruction surgery, which again, actually my soccer story might be along the lines of, of what that was like when I came out of that, out of the theatre for, for, not the theatre because I see a show, the operating theatre. <laughs> uh, well, you had time in your hands. But that was the injury that really, and again, that's when I, because I had a, a young family and I had a guy looking after my finances as well. And that's when he really earned his call. Because I had to say, look, we need to realise what this could mean if I finished. What would it mean if I can get myself back on my feet? There has to be a plan going forward. There was anyway, but that really brought it home to me that this is a serious injury. So mentally, it was as, that at that point, it was as tough as probably um, anything I experienced in the game. Because this is this is about me. I think if you're playing in a team and everything else and losing games, it puts it into perspective. But then realising that this could, in a, a career that and a sport that I really love, but I, I didn't realise I loved it as much as I did when somebody says it could be, or you feel it could be taken away. So what I learned from that, kind of, I didn't have anything as serious as that. I had Achilles problems, much worse than Rory's. But I coped with it a bit, but I didn't, you know, mess it. I just played, basically. You know, I didn't pretend that I couldn't do a half marathon. I just played <laughs> Premier League football to a very high standard. Um... <laughs> Uh, so there's the difference not, not, so anyway mentally, that, that's what I probably learned from that crucial injury it gave me the mental strength to, to get over crucial, um, uh, Achilles injuries which Rory was was not strong enough to, to cope with I think Andy Hinsliff mocked me for, for, <laughs> for missing out on a, on a commitment that I was supposed to be doing because of injury <laughs> for a man who, who lost what 10 years of his career Yeah, I, I'd have just iced it and ran 13 miles that's what <laughs> I'd have done but clearly your sponsors weren't that important to you, so I wasn't um, being sponsored. Oh, you weren't being sponsored. No, no. I don't oh. like asking other people to sponsor me for. Yeah. No, it was an, it was an ego trip. Nothing it was. A, no, so it, was, it wasn't. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. to support my wife. Of course it was. Of course it was. Anyway, anyway. So anyway, so from, so from, from that injury, charity, then from what? that injury, I think I learned the, the mental st- what you needed to do to be able to when it happened again. I did have other injuries, but not as bad as that. I I, I really enjoyed because I learned a lot, and I. And that's what I say about pictures of, of when they did the surgeries and the videos from doing the knee surgery. I wanted to see what they were doing because I learned all about the mechanics of, of what had gone wrong, how you put it right, how you can maybe stop it happening again in the future. So I threw myself into the time I had off uh, away from playing is I might as well make good use of it. Yes, get myself fit, but learn about your body and how it works and how you can maybe stop it happening again. So I and strangely in, enjoyed the time I had off. Was there a point, especially with the cruise ship, where you felt guilty that your clubs were continuing to pay you? Never. Because I wasn't getting paid enough. But the, your wage presumably is the same? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. wage never changed, yeah. Did, did but I was underpaid for my talent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at. No, no, what, what were we laughing at? Nothing. No, I didn't. Well, that never occurred to me, no, because um, I did feel I had a responsibility to, to get, but I wanted to. If you can earn the money, mm. earn it by playing, not by building yourself up in the gym to be <laughs> learning a, about a the knee <laughs> and learning about my knee. I, I remember when, um, uh, when Alan, the chief executive at, uh, at uh, Everton would have been too happy with me saying, "By the way, do you want me to tell you about the mechanics of the knee while you pay me my wages?" <laughs> no, I'd rather you play. When Alan Shearer did his cruciate in nineteen well, mid to late nineties, whenever it was, went to America. I went to bloody Wigan. But he, he, I remember there being a piece in the newspaper about how much money Alan Shearer would earn during the time he was not playing. Um, and yes, it was one piece at the time, but it put into perspective that that somebody still earns their yeah, full yeah. wage whilst yeah. they are unable to deliver what they are essentially being paid for. So, 
maybe not feeling guilty, but do you think that you were quite fortunate that that, that was happening, even though you, you were unable to do what you wanted to do and clearly you wanted to earn more money and you wanted yeah. to, and also to play you, longer? And also, you remember that you got injured in the line of duty. You were actually playing. You didn't do this intentionally. It wasn't on a night out and got punched gone by on a someone. skiing holiday. I'd gone on a skiing holiday. I was actually injured playing for the club, playing very well for the club as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it never actually occurred to me that... I'm earning money that I don't deserve because I was, and I, my, my rehab went brilliantly. I was playing, I was back again within six months, which for cruciate injuries is, is pretty good going. So I couldn't have probably done any more. I wanted to get back playing again. I, I felt a responsibility there. So mine maybe came more from the responsibility yeah. to get back than feeling bad about the six months pay when I hadn't, I hadn't kicked a ball. Yeah, we do get a bit fixated with what footballers earn per week, don't we? Mm. Rather than the fact that they've actually got a contract for a you know, yeah, yeah. three yeah. or four years and yeah is infuriating I'm sure for a club if they've got a talented player not available because of injury but, but yeah. also yeah, uh, it must that, also yeah. be slightly <laughs> less frustrating when you've got a slightly less you've got to play your backup left back but also no, I was going to say also you, you, the club have a responsibility to you and Everton certainly did because I came off just before half time and I think I've told the story about them doing all the tests on me the Lackman test and they couldn't find anything wrong and they said do you want to put a tuber grip on it and I said well what's a tuber grip going to do anyway it sent me back out again so I went back out and carried on playing for 10, 15 minutes before my knee blew up to such a... I couldn't run. So that wouldn't... I don't think that would... Really, you should be picking up yeah, yeah, injuries yeah, of that yeah. severity. I know I've got very strong leg muscles and you know I am an anomaly. It was, it's hard to pick out an injury when you're as, as strong in the knee <laughs> as I was. Um, so Les Helm, there's, there's no blame apportioned there, but... Um, I'm not sure he was a fully qualified physio. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, when saying put on a tuber grip, I don't think is good medical advice when you've ruptured, completely ruptured your anterior cruciate ligament. So anyway, the club had, they did feel that maybe they, clearly they, they missed it and it could have got a lot, you know, it could have made it a hell of a lot worse. Carrying on playing on an injury like that is just, it's noticeable again, you, how did, hard I am. Yeah. You know, about the Achilles, <laughs> no, the knee as well. Clearly it was the, the swelling up and not yeah. the fact that your, Couldn't your, bend level, my leg. your level dropped. So clearly your normal <laughs> level. Actually, I'm playing a lot better for that 15 minutes. <laughs> I was okay. was, but when I came off, I remember Les Helm looking at me as if to say, there's nothing wrong with you. And my leg was like, a, like an elephant. <laughs> elephant's like, like the, knees. It's like an elephant's like, knee. Like the nurse we had at school, just everything just got paracetamol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a serious point about being, you know, clubs being ins- insured and all that. Jazz as well, so we shouldn't yeah, be yeah. fixated about. But with, with Chinch, Chinch, when you know Sheffield Wednesday put in the the, the form to the insurance for your latest injury, injury were they like, is this is this a scam? Is this a duplicate? Surely not this again. Can't, but this not Surely a real man again. He's can't. still playing football with all these injuries. He can't. They're having his on. Hmm? What was the lowest moment for you? Uh, are you trying to you trying to make me? F- I'm trying to make oh, you cry. <laughs> when we're not was done I low? until he cries. Got the onions. Generally, waking up from the surgery, being handed your ACL, and everyone leaving the room. That's when I was truly frightened, because it's something that you you don't know the extent of it. Suddenly, you realise how serious it is, and this could end it in a job that I thought it was just going to go on forever, and it was just easy, and these things don't happen to me. When you're on your then, but that's when it really kicks in to say it's up to me because the surgeons can do all their work, but ultimately, doing the rehab, looking after you, getting yourself back to playing again, it, it takes it does take a lot of mental strength. I think I learned. I'm not saying I'm the the strongest in that department, but certainly at that point, I could have just crumbled and just said I can't do this or felt really sorry for myself, but I didn't. I think a ruptured ACL compared to problems with your Achilles or floating bone in your ankle or a dislocated middle finger at Ipswich <laughs> are not quite the, an ace it, it is probably 
Apart from a head injury, just, just looking the most serious. The, 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 these are injuries that end careers. And yeah, anything else that I had was, was not... Could never but be did you, even even never. with the smaller ones, did you ever feel, as they mounted up, mm. did you not... Did you ever feel kind of hard done to? Did you did you ever have regrets about what you could have achieved? No. Had no. you not st- been so fragile? St- not fragile. I wasn't a balsa wood footballer. I wasn't made of glass. It, it feels a bit like you were made of glass. I had a lot of... Again, does it all start with the, the, the stresses? Is it the same nowadays for you know 16 to be playing first-team football? It is very young. Of course, mm. you're physically able to do that, but still you are developing. So the injuries start because of you, the, the environment that you're in at such a young age. And that's where I think my injuries came. It's just that overuse at such a young well, or, age. Or it's just that you've got... I mean, I, and to look at Chinch, I don't know about you, I often look at Chinch and think, hmm, slightly weird skeleton. And it may just be that there's kind of problems with your skeleton, your sort of stiletal mass. It just doesn't kind of work for you. But I didn't have a lot Do you of problems with vision. Do you see? I don't no, just, you can just tell from it's his, funny from you his say lurch. That, but I didn't have a single lurch, <laughs> lollop. These are words. I don't. I'm not, I didn't have any bone injuries, did I? It was all ruptured ligaments yeah, and uh, Achilles tendons. That suggests that the muscles aren't attached properly. That it's all just shoddily put together, like a cut and shut car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Friday afternoon car. <laughs> We go out the, we go for the weekend. That'll do, lads. Just, just put that bit of just put that bit of tendon there. That bit of cartilage. Oh, that's fine. We reuse that bit from that one that broke the other week. So, so whilst whilst these two, well, didn't, didn't, didn't Nicky Weaver when he did his ACL, he mm. he got it replaced with a dead man's um, ligament. Any specific dead man? Because I had the uh, I think it's called Jeff. I had the patella autograft, which you'll all know what that is clearly. <laughs> Who autographed your patella? <laughs> I was going to do that somebody, joke as well. Somebody famous? <laughs> is it like, is it better? It's graft with an FT, you fool. <laughs> they take a section of your patella tendon. I think I think we've lost, lost Rory and Steve somewhere during this. They're just being silly now, aren't they? Supposedly very, very serious. Very serious, saying, how did you feel about this? And did this depress you? I bet this depressed you. I bet this made you feel really bad. Now they're just laughing because my body is apparently fragile. A weaker man would have been destroyed by any of these injuries, especially the dislocated middle finger. Who comes back from that? Well, you didn't, did you? That was the last one. That wasn't the last one. Actually, my last one, that was another knee injury, wasn't it? I took a big chunk out of my femur. But again, Gerald Sibon kept passing me the bloody ball. I couldn't kick it. That tells you about him. Anyway, Let, let's, let's try and well, get Sorry, back. let's get back on track. Let's get back, back, on track. back on track. Because the, re- the reason I mentioned uh, about the fact that you, you felt worse, I, I appreciate it was the most serious injury. Yes. But there is a... As I said at the beginning, there is a demoralising aspect of having to consistently go through mm. rehab and consistently have time away from the game. But you you don't give me the impression that, for example, after you had the second Achilles... The Achilles were the, the worst ones because at the time they, they kept putting injections in it because I hadn't ruptured it. If you rupture it and obviously it breaks, then they've got to repair it. With all my other injuries, they could sort them. The, the um, crucial ligament, they can replace it cartilage problems they can tidy it up and you can get back on your feet the Achilles was such an ongoing Rory to a degree you'll know what I'm talking about no. it's such a it's an ongoing where it's it's bad but it's not so bad what they, they're going to actually operate on you because there's nothing they can actually do and so they eventually got to a point where they had to open it up and clean the tendon because the tendon runs in a sheet and if they it gets clean all, it yeah because the tendon runs it has like a coating a sheath on it and if it if you damage it and it, it, ble- it doesn't have a good blood supply but if it does bleed the blood congeals, so basically it's just right, like yeah, sand yeah. and it's just grating and that then causes a problem for the tendon itself. So what you basically have to do is open the sheath and clean the tendon and then put it back together again so then it can move freely. It's the fact that it can't move freely yeah. that brings the pain. That is grim. But I had it on one 
and then I think because I overcompensated, that cleared up, and I felt you when you when you're pain free, having Achilles problems, it's like this is brilliant. You feel born again. My other one, virtually the day after. Oh kicked in so then I've got another period where I'm saying this is a real problem here and I could hardly train I remember playing against Stockport when Peter Shreves was caretaker manager and they were so well they must have been desperate to play me but I I couldn't really train or run I had to warm up that day in trainers you know spongy Mm. trainers because I couldn't put my boots on and run because it was so painful but they wanted to try and get me to play and just do the bare minimum because they they wanted me to try and but again I damaged it and had to come off so I did again. I tried my best, but still, it, 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 I tore it again, and then was but, out for. It's just that ongoing with Achilles. That ongoing, unless you have an operation and sort them out, then you feel you've got an end point and you can start again. But with Achilles, they tend to rumble on for so long when you're in pain. But they decide just to. Hopefully, it'll be okay. It'll settle down. Injection here will will calm it down. Anti-inflammatories, but it, it doesn't tend to do. And that that's when I was probably most demoralised because it went on for so like a year. Of just getting up in the morning and you can ha- you can't walk. You have to ice your Achilles just to just to move. And imagine then trying to train and trying to play, and then the worry of maybe this is going to snap. And that's the last thing that you want. So it's that long, I think it's that period of time where you're injured for such a long period of time, which was was hard. Did you swim? While yes, you that's training? all we did. Yeah. We went over to the uh, the Sheffield Leisure Centre. Oh, and Uriah Rennie. Uriah Rennie was the uh, guy. Yes, absolutely. And we used to just do lengths. That's all we could do. Non-weight bearing, cycling, swimming. But again, compare it, trying to then play, mm. you realise how hard it is. Your fitness levels are up, your cardio are doing all your work, but actually it doesn't compare to, to playing. It's, and it's just the weight bearing. That's when yeah. it, it, it's just horrible. Absolutely horrible. We've established on many occasions you're probably not the typical former footballer. And when I when I hurt my knee, that was just a blessed relief, really, that I could start, you know, putting into junk all those emails about, you know, anyone free for five aside tonight, and you could remove yourself from WhatsApp groups about it. Thank God that's over. I don't have to pretend come up with the reasons <laughs> to why I can't play. That's right, I can't walk. There's two people who used to play football with Steve. That's that's quite offensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's ne- become intimidated whom, by you already. Neither of whom ever organised the game of football. No, that's true. Um, no, it was very big, very BBC led. Nothing yes. to do with us. Yeah. yeah. Chich, were any of the other people who or other players that you were going through rehab at the same time mm-hmm. did they not deal with it as well as you were there, were there those for whom this was a real that's psychologically crushing situation that they not only could they not play but they couldn't contribute yes but that's why it's a, you build your own little community because what tends to happen is they're I tended to be at the centre because I was always injured. But then you have... <laughs> like the ringleader. The ringleader. You have like a little community that go off to the gym. And this is what we used to do. And we used to actually... And it was something that I, I spoke to Sheffield Wednesday about, is we had our own little... I think I mentioned this porter cabin thing that I'm sure they got from a local hospital, which had the gym in it, which was at the training ground. But to go there every day, it, it's, it's incredibly depressing because... It just is, and and it's the same environment. So we then started to say, well, why can't we go out to find different places or gyms just to change the scenery? Because we had players uh, with long-term injuries, young and old, and we were our own little community. So we basically would have our treatment maybe in the morning, and then if we're going off to do something um, in terms of training or in the gym, we used to take ourselves off to, to different places to train, just to... What other gyms? Other gyms, to, just to break up the monotony of what we were doing, just to different swimming pools and stuff like that. And it's really important because psychologically, even if you have these wonderful facilities, if you're there, every that can become incredibly depressing. Mm. And that's what we tended to find. And we, we, amongst ourselves with some of the experienced lads who were injured, this is what we said, well, why don't we see whether we can arrange to go somewhere else? And it always happened and it was fine because... Um, 
you know the gyms and swimming pools would let players from Wednesday come and use their facilities. So it, it is you build your own little community and you're in your own world. And that's actually strange because if you if you're injured for three or four months, you become so used to that that when you get back to fitness and then you're going out to join the lads training again, it can feel really weird because you're so used and comfortable to having that five or six people that you see every day to then going back into an environment where you're training again. I found that really difficult. It took me maybe a week or two to get back into the swing of, oh, I'm, I'm training today. I'm not in the gym today. And it was just because you were so used to doing what you were doing with it and thinking actually about them as well as yourself. You know, training, if you're doing different exercises, you can maybe all do a, a certain thing. If it's upper body, if you had leg injuries, you could all do upper body stuff. And we used to train together. So it was like a family. So then leaving that was kind of weird to go back to all the footballing duck eggs that really you hadn't seen for, for maybe three months. D- tell us about a, uh, a typical day of rehab, uh, because training wouldn't necessarily take up too much of your day, but I'm assuming because you're on a strict regime, oh, yeah, the yeah, physiotherapist yeah. kind of, and, and sometimes different elements of the physiotherapy team, you might mm-hmm. be dealing with this, then that, then this. Did you, did you have a, yeah, a, depends, a regime? And it depends what, what stage t- you're at as tell well. Us, tell us about a typical day. Well, if you have, after surgery, obviously what you're trying to do is let all the the trauma of having the surgery settle down. So there's not an awful lot you would do in the first, but depending on the injury, that's an ACL with the swelling and everything else, but you, you do work virtually instantly now with ACL injuries. In the past, they used to put you in full leg casts. Remember Paul Gascoigne having a, a full leg, straight leg cast, and obviously you lose all the muscle in your leg. So then when you come back, the problem you have is actually all your leg, your calf muscles, your, your, your hamstrings and your quads have all withered. Gaza had a ni- full lead cast. A full lead cast when that. he had his... Remember I, I he did his cruise? Was it against Forest? semi-final, yeah. And I'm just, yeah, and it started to change. I'll tell the story at the end of this about what, when I came out of the uh, the reconstruction I had done. Um, they, they changed the, the way that they operate, how they repair it, like say with the with the autograph they use, with the... Uh, not that autograph, with the patella. So Paolo, they they changed. The Would yeah, you just... Yeah, yeah. just so they changed it's, it's it. It's an inappropriate time, but that is genuinely my... F- How many episodes are we in now? 124? Yeah. That is the best line of all 124 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Which the, line is that just reminding of, me? Of course, I had the Patello autographed. And as he was saying, why do, you have, why do you have someone sign it? That is... That will make... I'll, I'll be laughing about that tonight. Even better than she lives in The Hague, is she a war criminal? Even better than oh, no, that no, no, line? That, you always say no, that's that, your favourite line. That is my favourite line. Steve is now second. So anyway, anyway, anyway. I'll, I'll so after surgery, you have to, again, the... But the, so the processes have changed. So actually, even with a serious injury like that, you were doing a lot of stuff virtually immediately because um, you had to get the joint moving and you didn't want to lose... You didn't put too much wastage in your certainly your quads and your hamstrings because they support your knee. Again, this is all the stuff I learn, yeah. and it's really and that's the stuff I do now. To I need knee replacements probably in the next ten years, but if I can try and keep them up, but it's all the stuff I learned back then. My mum's got two knees, two two metal knees. Yeah, is she okay? She she uh, she the knees were fine. The hips, she got I think she got one metal hip as well, but the knees were fine. The how's the how's the squatting? Can she do hundred k or <laughs> <laughs> pretty much a bit anyway? But this is all the stuff I learned again. Can't through metal detectors in airport. Oh no. You've got to keep your legs strong. But yeah, it's, it's, you'd normally be in at kind of 8 o'clock in the morning. If you could have some treatment, because we had obviously with the, the masseuse that we... Uh, Maggie. The masseuse. <laughs> I, I, we, we, she did a lot of work on my Oh, his legs. face softened. Oh, Maggie. Anyway, so yeah, so you used to have maybe... Anything that you... That treatment-wise, you ultrasound, all this type of stuff, uh, used to happen. Um, and then you'd probably have some lunch and they say you might go off to the pool or... so. But you were there from probably 8 in the morning. It sounds terrible, this isn't it? Until we'd stay all until about four o'clock in the afternoon. That's, that's like, again, compared to players wouldn't turn up until 10. And then they'd probably be finished at 12. Have lunch and go. So we, but again, I, it, it was strange at first because it was such a long day and you're so used to 
being in, going home. But then it became became you've got to make good use of that time as well so I did I read an awful lot I learned an awful lot about it that's what you've got to do because you have a lot of time sitting around where actually there's not a lot you can do in terms of building up your fitness or having treatment there's just time mm. and it just time is a great healer but do apparently you th- do you think you were, you were better at filling your time than most players um, in constructive ways yes because I kept a diary as well of all the work I was doing and people were very interested in that type of thing yeah I could, but that's just whether it was just me that that's the way I handled it. I, I needed to. I, I couldn't just sit around and and I realised how important your diet is and and you can't drink because obviously that can cause you know swelling and everything else. You got you, you learn so much at a time. You got to remember it's not like it is now with the science behind the game. None of this was really. It was starting to change in terms of, of rehab from the the major injuries, crucial ligaments. They were changing again the um, the way you recovered from it. So it was all coming in, but it wasn't actually as it is today. Where I'm sure if you get a serious injury today, there's a, there's a plan in front of you that would yeah. be as good as it can possibly be. But they were kind of this was when the change was starting to happen. I'm thankful for that because obviously the surgery and the re- recovery was for me was was fantastic. Um, and really, I haven't had a single problem from the day I had that surgery done. Everything's gone gone pretty well. So it was. What I went through was great, and I used my time, yeah, to the best that I, I could. So maybe other people would get a bit depressed about. It. I, I can't remember remember really, you know, sitting in a car or thinking, "Oh my God, this is this is horrendous." It's it's your life, and you have to make it your life and try and enjoy it. So yeah, instead of getting demoralised about it, you 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 use the experience to help you get better at yeah. it. Yeah, and I think with with like I said that family, that community of other injured, you do feel a responsibility to maybe look around you and not just feel sorry for yourself and realise maybe how lucky even the career I'd had up to that point when I picked up that injury in mid-twenties there were young lads at Sheffield Wednesday very talented players that were having knee injuries at 16, 17 like I had but theirs were a lot more serious than say cartilage that I had I could recover from them and I'd played maybe kind of nine years they hadn't even got started so again you start to pick your head up and actually think it, this could be worse like, it could have been a lot different for me so you, you do feel a responsibility to try and help the people around you as well A couple of questions about contact you how long until you actually had contact with a football? And also, you're not seeing any of your teammates apart from the ones that are injured, so you have mm. no contact. You with do, any no, because you do, because you're in the you're in the dressing room, so at the you training still, ground. You still so see yeah, them and yeah, have yeah. Con- and I think it's, it's important that you do that because if you're in at eight in the morning and they're not in till ten, you at times you you were off somewhere else, so actually you wouldn't see them. But it is very important to still be around because, and that's why I think it's maybe difficult because you do, and in many ways I cut myself off. I didn't go and watch games, even though I supported the, the team day after day when there was a, I couldn't physically go and what I felt that would have depressed me more than anything really? actually what yeah watching a game I, I watched very few games because I just but you thought, might have well, just my life, your, your love for being a commentator earlier yeah but that wouldn't have overtaken my incredible talent as no, a player and I would have I would have denied the football in public watching me play if, Some I'd, of if the, I'd given it up too early Rory you know I mean you won't say it changed but I will some you, of the defining moments of the 1990s those, some of those throw-ins, yeah. you, you're just never going to see them repeat. I remember the couple of corners that you took for Wednesday didn't result in goals, but they were they were brilliant. Thank you. But I can say that from a commentator's point of view, it's a bit of a relief that you know commentators at the time would have been glad that Chinch wasn't turning up week in, week out because he'd be like exasperated. Director cuts away. There he is again. <laughs> but can you Still imagine? sat in the stands. <laughs> Why yeah, doesn't he just right. go and find something different to do? Why doesn't he launch a podcast? <laughs> the, or at least read a book. With Ch- can you imagine if Chinch had, had used that time to, to, get, to get a head start on his co-commentary career and turned up in, in a 1990s commentary box with his tactics whiteboard? He would have been... You'd have been a game changer. No one had whiteboards then. It was all still chalk. I didn't, I didn't think about the game. 
about that. I'd never thought about the game when I was playing the game. But this is it. So this is what's quite interesting but about yeah, you and injury. You thought you, about your injuries, but you didn't think about the game. That's very true. That's did, very did you, true. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. you said you loved football. Um, no, I, I didn't love football. No, I could play football. Yeah. But then when it becomes at such a young age and you get married at such a young age, it becomes more than just a game and a hobby. It can't be. Yeah, no, obviously. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Amazing, I had nothing else, you know, by me, even though I did but well at Rory's school. Right. I had no, there's nothing else I could afford. So it was so important that this worked out because so I was had it, responsibility. Was it, was it less that you couldn't watch your game because you were so desperate to be out there and you, you looked at these people, Vim Yonk, having all this fun and wanted to be there with Vim Yonk, Peter Atherton and all the other greats? <laughs> or, or was it because you worried that it would all get taken away from you and you had that fear of if you don't get back? Possibly both, yeah. Both. Then it's over. Yeah. I, I, just, I just felt it. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily that, oh, I, I wish I was out there. I, d- I don't know. I just felt my life at that moment wasn't about going to watch the team play. My life was about getting myself fit. And people said, well, it's only two hours on a Saturday afternoon. What else were you doing? Yes, I was probably sat at home doing something else. But for my mental, I, I just think it was important just to put the blinkers on and just say, this is all. That, and I was, in a way, you're right to do that because if you get too worried and you, you want to get come back too early when you're not really, that is the problem as well, is when you feel you're okay. It's like you say about when do you first start kicking a ball again. You feel you're able to do it well before the physios say you can do it. There's a, a lot you need to be able to. You need to be able to move side to side, but you need to be able to do all these things before you think about playing a ball. That's right at the end when you are, and then you go back out and, and the ball, and then that first tackle. I remember at Everton, that first tackle, that block tackle that you have to make, you think, oh my God, it's happened. You, you do, you naturally think, I can't, I can't tackle anymore. And tackling was one of my great strengths among many others. And um, I remember the first tackle. It's like bang, and suddenly tackling twenty, bang, and it's kind of oh my god, and it's it's horrible. So but then you have to get it. But it's amazing how quickly you can forget all the worries that you have once you get back into another right, way. So if you of, were nervous about working. your first yeah. training session, yeah, yeah. first game, it didn't last very long. No, no, it didn't because nothing actually nothing went wrong. That's the problem people do have, and they, I did. I picked up a thigh injury as well after that because it does. Because again, you, you're weaker in other areas because naturally you would be. You can't work on everything completely, so there are areas that you do suffer from, and that's why people would come back after serious injuries invariably pick up something else that isn't another, isn't a repetition of what they've had. It's because the muscles around might not be strong enough, or just you're a little bit imbalanced because you haven't been haven't been training fully. So it is. It's um, but just just to get back, and it was it was odd. I remember I do remember it being really odd going back out on, at 10 o'clock and tra- I, I probably actually went into the gym at 8 in the morning even though I was training just to sit around because that's what I'd done for 6 months and then I went out training so again it's, it draws you back it's what you've been so used to for such a long period of time then eventually that starts you break that habit and you think actually yeah I've got through today I'm okay I've got through the next day I'm okay I don't have to worry maybe too, until it happens again but then how, how quickly the blinkers come on and you get back into that of getting yourself fit again and seeing that as your job nothing else yeah, you, professional rehabber rather than professional yes. footballer by the end but the, uh, just final final point do you think that players these days are um, their, their mental issue the, the mental issues surrounding being injured and being injured more than once are catered for better than they used to be like the old sending you off to Lillishaw yeah. and, and telling you to get, get fit yeah. outside of the club and stuff it did doesn't you, really happen anymore did you Rory speak to was it Ilkay Gundogan who it had was serious, did you would, were you speak to him when he was injured at the time yeah. he was injured yeah, yeah. did you discuss anything yeah it sounds like what he went through is basically the same as, as what you went through because it's still okay it's a different different era and I think the medical knowledge will be very different and he'll be getting the very best yes that's available to he him, didn't but still himself, yeah, exactly, he didn't go to a crank hospital, um, but still, 
he's got a, he's got a, on when you're on your yeah. own at night. You've still had that injury. The worries that are ahead of you about getting back and playing he's again. Not married, is he? No, no. So he didn't have that so family support. What then. we should really do is get Ilkay and myself to sit down, talk about things, and maybe that would help people in the future. Again, hopefully clubs do realise that if a player gets injured, they're still very much part of the setup. Mm. And But there's, there's more physios, it seems now. There's maybe two or three physios at each club. So there's more people around to maybe keep an eye, where yeah, everything you had a, a physio and a, an assistant maybe. And if you had six or seven injured players, if some of them were getting closer to getting back playing for the first team, they used to take all the attention. The longer-term injuries, again, maybe looked after themselves. So you did... You weren't maybe getting people saying, "Are you okay? Are you feeling not?" They didn't discuss maybe your mental state. No. It was all about you. Well, all it is is about you. Surely you'll feel better when your knee feels better. What's interesting though is that they, th- through Ilkay's recovery, they did a lot of the same things you did. So they they changed the location. They yeah. went to different places. They he he didn't want to just be in the gym. In the gym at the CFA is amazing. Yeah, you're not allowed to use it if you're not a professional footballer at Manchester City mm. or the medical facilities. Apparently, what about if you want ice in your water? No, <laughs> forbidden. Not insured. So, so room um, temperature water. Only. Room, only tepid water. Only tepid. I'm just hoping that if you had gone down with a major, pro- they would have well, it would have given you mouth to mouth, or would they have just stood there? Well, it, it worries me. Ambulance would have been there, wouldn't they? So I guess. Well, no, it wasn't an official game. No, but they still have to. Still Do, is that right? They, they, they'd have phoned an ambulance. Yeah. But <laughs> they'd have got you off the nice carpet on the entranceway. Yeah, they? they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have wanted. They would have dragged him. Yeah, yeah. Dragged him. We'll barrage you out to the entrance. Tip nine nine nine. Tip you by the bins and then rang for an ambulance. Put you on the tram at the Velo Park. Hope that hope that the the Metrolink. Yes, in nineteen minutes, it would have been brilliant. There's no Metrolink stop at MRI, but. Near enough. I'll be close enough. No, they put you on the on the Metrolink at Velo Park and hope you got to Trafford Bar, where literally all of the ticket inspectors are. Where, <laughs> oh where, yeah, yeah. Where the t- you, you'll never get the trams. So you won't know this, but all the tickets. I've got the tram. All of the ticket inspectors on the, on the Metrolink tram in Manchester live at Trafford Bar. It's the only place you ever see anyone checking your ticket, and they yeah. they come come in like a flock of vultures. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, a beautifully parochial to all yeah. our non-Manchester listeners. <laughs> people like tourist, that. No, people a, like that's to place us. Yeah, it's a tourist tip. Manchester, just don't go through Trafford Bay if we find. But Ilkay didn't want to stay in that gym, as, as wonderful as it is for. But is that something that he? Thought yeah, that was about. something that he thought, and I think the club ah. recommended to him. Okay. To say, look, go. I mean, some of the place it wasn't. He wasn't into leisure centres around Sheffield. No, it was. No. Uriah Rennie didn't help out. Uh, not well. It may be spiritually, <laughs> but the um, I think he, he went. He had a week, week or two in Barcelona. He he went back to Germany. He it, they changed the location for him just so that he. It, it wasn't kind of oppressive just being in the same place yeah. every day. And surely, surely clubs now with the mental state of their players it is such a, a, a hot topic at yeah. the moment as well. The injured players, because that's when it can, that's when they'll probably suffer again, the most. Okay, it was his players second suffer when, yeah. well. well, in fact, so, he'd yeah. tell you that it was his second and l- second least. Sorry, it was it was not only his second; it was also kind of the lesser of the injuries because although he did his cruciate, the one that came before that was a back injury that they couldn't properly diagnosed no one was quite sure what was wrong so like you when he had the cruise ship there was a well Knock maybe not like it, yeah. you yeah. but there is a path yeah. now they know pe- they know that people get through them it's not a career, career ender anymore they, the doctors can say to them straight away this happens this happens this yeah. happens you do your rehab you play yeah. the back injury the problem there was that he didn't know more, that's maybe more like the Achilles yeah. though he didn't know when that that was a Dortmund yeah. when that would end because they didn't know so what the problem and was and, and there's, and no, yeah, there's yeah. no kind of there's no light at the end of the tunnel because you're not sure where the tunnel's going. Yeah. It was just he had a back injury and they couldn't explain it. And I guess with the Achilles, you know it's your Achilles, mm. but it's it's a case of managing it rather than solving it. And it's will it get but worse? But you can't. But you can't fully commit yourself because you always yeah. feel if I do 
just I, I used to wake up every morning thinking I'm just going to do what I, you know do what I do when I was kind of 15, 16 and just just feel great. And then you feel it and you think, don't laugh. I'm not just that idea. I'm going to feel great, great today. No, but you, you think, I'm, I'm fine. Today it's going to feel. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. And then you take one step and you realise it's another day of managing with it. And if you push it, you can't. You can only play at seventy, even seventy percent, because you just think this this could get worse. Mm. And if I rupture, that's what that was what was in my thinking. But I just signed for a new club. They wanted me to play. I wanted to play, and yet I just it was absolutely horrendous having to ice it just to be able to get out of the car and look like you're not hobbling mm. before you even start playing but that's what I just I felt as though you had to go through and eventually it got diagnosed And but once it clears up the feeling is absolutely I don't know that's just for Achilles because again it's such a long because with, with knees and kind of that uh, crucial, it's, it's the pain of the, the surgery and putting it right it's not actually the injury itself that is mm. that painful I didn't can't remember too much but I remember it popping can't remember too much pain it's actually afterwards and then when it settles down, it's it's pain free. But Achilles is just it went on for such a long time; it's horrendous. So I hope there's been some sort of insight into what it's like to be a broken man, because that is what we have sat at this table here. A yeah, but I've been man. Uh, like a jigsaw. I've been put back together in a way, haven't I? I? Think there's bits dis- missing. I think we decided it wasn't a jigsaw. Bits, bit miss- of a cut and shut car on a Friday yeah. afternoon. I think yeah. that's what we decided. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but I've I not had a jigsaw. It's just not the pieces from the same. <laughs> yeah, no, but I've not had other bits of people put in me. They're all like, my own bits, so or some, bits have been lost. Some of the jigsaw pieces are like the tiny ones from like a thousand piece of yeah. just like a watercolour, yeah. and then some of them are like from a four piece jigsaw for a one year old. That sort of thing. My one year old can't do jigsaws. <laughs> Apart from mentally, there's no big pieces missing, is there? Well, we'll find out because before we go, it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. This is when Andy tells the tape and playing days with all adult behaviour and library-worthy details are moved. Can you remember? Well, it has, to, it has to relate to an injury and the injury. I remember waking up after the cruciate reconstruction that I had done and my knee was fairly painful, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, this is not the story, but the nurse said to me, well, um, have you been to the loo yet? I said, no, I've just woken up from general anaesthetic. Um, but you, you, in time, you're going to need to go to the loo because if you don't go to the loo, we're going to have to put a catheter in. And I thought, there is no way after what I've been through, I'm having that. Mm. So I was literally drinking gallons of water to make it happen. And thankfully it happened. But anyway, what they do for your recovery that's after... Pro- so anyway, that's, that's just, that's just remember, prologue. things that you remember. Just, you just remember. a bit, bit of colour. They, they put you on a, f- a frame, your knee, you put your leg on a frame, which starts to, basically, it, it has uh, degrees of how much it will bend you. And you start off at kind of five degrees. And look, what it's trying to do is just get the joint moving to get rid of all the, the blood and everything else that's, that's in there from the surgery, because it is quite a big traumatic thing. And there was a bit of, like, tubing sticking out of my knee which is is the drain that they put in there so obviously when your knee's working to get rid of all this blood and it kind of snakes off down into I don't know like a I don't know well, put a bucket um, <laughs> but after <laughs> so this is so this Black is in there so it's resolved. so 5 degrees 10 degrees 20 degrees. So and eventually they you know get, they say, oh t- today's the day it's about 4 or 5 days in they say we're going we're going to take the the drain out so you can see it going into the into your knee, and you're thinking there'll probably only be a few millimeters, probably just inside your knee. The pain, the, the, how much was it? They were pulling out coils and coils of this plastic. Like a thing. clown and handkerchief. It was ludicrous. Yes, yeah. and it was there was meters of this stuff coming out, and I thought, is that right? Knee? Yes, and I, it always stuck with me. How much tubing can you get into that knee? But apparently, that that's what how it works. That's how it works. But that was r- incredibly, and also it feels like. 
well, you have, you've got a snake inside you. And someone's pulling a snake from inside your body. It's like a horror film. That's awful. It was the slithery nature of it going around the knee. I can see the face that you're pulling there. You're with me, aren't you? I am. It was horrible. And the pain was not good. But when it was out, it was out. And I, I thought to myself at that time, I hope this doesn't happen again. Not the injury, the plastic tube. The, snake, the plastic snake. So no catheter, plastic tube coming out. They are the worst parts of having your anterior cruciate ligament reconstructed. So any kids out there thinking of taking up football, think again. <laughs> <laughs> think again. We, we started by saying we need to try and induce tears. I think the tears have been induced in us, just yes, thinking about that. That's horrible. That's awful. Uh, thank you, Andrew. You've contributed a really great amount. It wasn't really a pleasant story that was it but it's it's, it's real life out there uh, we leave a reminder of how to get in touch with set piece menu at set piece menu on twitter set piece menu at gmail.com facebook.com forward slash set piece menu if you have any interior pictures of your achilles then you know please do send in i i'm not sure i've kept my achilles file but there's definitely uh, x-rays of my my knee with my carbon screws that obviously hold my patella autograft Stephen, <laughs> in place. Set carbon up. screws, not and metal. This is framed autograph. Framed, framed autograph picture of his autograph. <laughs> Please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Rory, Andy and Steve and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another set piece menu for you all to enjoy very soon indeed. These two have enjoyed this, haven't they? I have, yeah. Okay. A little bit more just, than I intended. Yeah. It was just that line. It was just, It was. I didn't realise. It was because <laughs> you said... Of course, I've had the patella autographed. Yes. <laughs> and the only thing you can think when you hear that is, well, who, bar? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the biggest name you play with? Paolo Di Canio. <laughs> you just, if, you, if, you, if you weren't... Is that, why, like, is that why Roy Keane kicked him up the bumper? <laughs> <laughs> but not now, Andy. Now is not the time. <laughs> I've got a, a Forest game to do quite soon as well, so I might pull Roy up on that one, see if he remembers kicking me up the bumper for no reason. If you were to get your patella autographed, who would you have it ah. autographed by? Bruce Forsyth. From a, from a footballing, does it have no. to be? No, my all-time hero well, is, is Springsteen, so I, I'm not sure how keen he'd be to sign my uh, my knee. How easy would it, would it be able to get access to the patella now that your knee is fixed? The only trouble is, my uh, it's keloid. Have you heard of keloid? <laughs> Don't start saying something stupid about keloid. Have you got anything you want to tell you about keloid? When you have a, a scar... Is he also an and, actor along with yes. Dennis Crane? <laughs> no, Lloyd of Duty? That's Harold Lloyd, not keloid. <laughs> Um, when a scar, you want it signed you, by Key Lloyd. Shush, or Harold Lloyd. Shush, you want it signed by Harold Lloyd. Shush. When you open a skin and rejoin the skin, mm. um, you can get kind of this keloidy build-up, like a fatty build-up in the in the um, the margin. You really, learned, my you body really, really picked up on the medical medical terminology, didn't you? You've got I all did. the jargon. I've tried to take a picture of my keloidy knee. So it's it's a bit you know smooth as silk, smooth as silk, rough, a bit rubbery. Not lovely. Then, Rubbery. Then Bruce Springsteen's autograph. And then and Bruce. Then. So it'd be a bit bit wobbly. I think Springsteen, Paul Weller. You can tell what I thought about football, really, can't you? It was yeah. my, my choice of hero.